Hi, Matt. Hi, my name is Akiba Liesman. I'm the CEO of Mako Mining. And the way that I like to describe Mako is that we are doing three things in northern Nicaragua. Uh, firstly, we have now commercialized what is the highest grade open pit mine in the world. We are using the cash flow from our initial 500 ton per day uh, mining facility uh, to go and develop a discovery that we made a couple of kilometers to the south of our primary San Albino mine, an area called Las Conchitas, with the objective of us making a decision to expand production capacity to 1,000 tons a day by the very end of this year and by uh, late 2023 to be mining and processing at over 1,000 tons a day. And then what I find uh, to be the most important part about Mako is that we do think that we're sitting on an orogenic gold mining camp. Uh, so we uh, just announced a $17 million self-funded exploration program. And over the course of the next few years, we intend to announce a multitude of discoveries across our 188 square kilometer uh, land package to prove that this really is an orogenic mining camp district and system. Akiba, good to have you back on. Been a while. Sure. Last October, but that's fine. You made an announcement back in 2019, into 2019, laying out your strategy and, and, and plans. Um, we are kind of three and a half years later. Um, do you think you've delivered on that? Yeah, certainly given what has happened in the world. Right? So remember, I think that's an important time frame uh, that we announced this plan on. So I took over as full-time uh, CEO in August of 2019, uh, and then we decided to, to do the initial construction decision for the 500 ton per day plant uh, immediately there, thereafter. Uh, and six months into the start of the mine's construction, uh, the world went into a uh, once in a hundred year pandemic. Uh, I would say 70% through our construction, we got hit by two major hurricanes. Those were hurricanes number eight and nine over the last hundred years that hit the mainland of Nicaragua. And even with that, we were able to deliver this, uh, this mine and project more or less on time, more or less on budget. And really there to, to lay the, the strategy in place, which was to use this relatively small scale mine, albeit one that's extremely high grade and extremely profitable, to go and use that to self-fund our other two objectives, to get this thing up to scale at 1,000 tons a day, and then to prove that this is an orogenic gold mining camp. The last time that we raised equity capital was at uh, the, uh, actually almost exactly two years ago in July of 2020. The last time we raised debt capital was in early 2021. All of that has been fully uh, repaid through the cash flows coming from the mine. We're able to not only run our business, but to, to reinvest and turn this thing into a, into a really special mining company. Right. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Dif difficult period. Difficult period for everyone. Um, I think they, the, the bit that I'm keen to understand is it 500 ton per day plant. It's not very big, right? You are processing high grade gold. You are um, generating revenue. You're selling. You're selling gold. Um, Q one, one million dollars of net loss. Um, your all in sustaining is just over eleven hundred. Uh, was that just a, an, an anomaly in Q1 or, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to work out is how do you produce enough cash flow, free cash flow to actually fund this expansion program, which you're quite keen to demonstrate to the market? Okay. So now, now we're talking on multiple sides of the financial statement. So we're talking about income, we're talking about cash, uh, and then also we're talking about comps in terms of uh, where we've been and kind of where we're going. So. Let's look at it in the context of, uh, of last year, where we declared commercial production July uh, 1st. So all of Q3, which we were still in ramp up mode, we were really only operating at about 80% capacity. And in Q4, we were basically running at our 500 ton per day uh, level uh, towards the, the end of the quarter. 
Uh, so in Q4, uh, we sold just under 9,600 ounces of gold. Uh, we generated just over $8 million of, uh, of adjusted EBITDA, just over $9 million of mine site cash flow. And we generated positive net income of just under $3 million for Q4 with all in sustaining costs of uh, just over $830 an ounce. In Q1, uh, we sold almost an identical amount of, of gold, uh, just under 9,600 ounces of gold. And we generated just under $9 million of mine site operating cash flow. So it was a little bit lower than Q4. We generated just over $8 million of adjusted EBITDA. So it was a little bit under Q4. And then the all in sustaining costs went up from the $830 to $1,100 an ounce. Some of that was real. So some of that was actually real cost inflation where uh, our input costs, diesel uh, specifically, um, added to our uh, our operating costs. Likewise, we went from a strip ratio, which was below the, the normal rate of the, uh, the life of mine plan. So roughly about uh, 17 or 18 for last year on a life of mine plan of 23 to 24 to one. And then the last quarter over at Q1, we were up to 30 to one. So there was actually an element of strip. So mining costs that increased as well. Collectively between the two, that increased our cost per ounce just over a hundred bucks thereabouts. There was another element uh, that was due to, to some ways that we were actually depleting the asset. Um, we went through a, a different partner over at PwC, had different ideas on, on how to do our depletion model. So a lot of that did have an acceleration of our depletion that caused our net income to go from positive to negative. But the actual change in cash flow from quarter over quarter was really just about a million dollars different from Q4 to Q1. And at these rates, uh, I expect them to, to, to maintain itself uh, going forward for the mine. Right. Is that going to be enough to allow you to do what you need to do for the market? Because they, they, what's what's happened to date has been a demonstration of it's a it's a kind of route to market, right? It's a demonstration that you guys can build a, a mine and operate a mine. So that's really good. But you now need to demonstrate scale you know, and, and, and meaningful sort of change in the economics too that, that presumably will come with that. So do we have, do you, investors, having to wait an extra couple of quarters because costs are going up, whether it be fuel or because things things come along because it's, it's it's mining which affect your ability to um, make maintain you know steady state economics. I mean, how how do you see the rest of this year or the next twelve months panning out on on that front? I mean, and what what are you doing to kind of mitigate some of that? Sure. So uh, I, I have no idea whether input prices are going to go up or, or down from here, but let's uh, let's take a look at what happened in, in Q one. So after most of the the effects of the uh, uh, the increased global inflation, commodity prices going up. What we were actually able to do with the roughly $8.7 million of mine site uh, cash flow, the roughly $8.3 million with just EBITDA that was coming from the mine, we were able to not only fund our operations, like that's that's first and foremost, we were also able to repay US $4.6 million of principal on our balance sheet. We were also able to finance $1.9 million of expiration, uh, uh, growth expiration. None of it is associated with, uh, with InfoWork over on our our asset. We were able to, to repurchase roughly $100,000 worth of, of stock as well uh, during this time. We were able to acquire uh, and add to our balance sheet an additional $2 million of surface rights uh, for some of our expansion plans to the south over at Las Conchitas, as well as to the, to the north over at La Segoviana, all coming directly from the cash flows of the mine. 
So the 500 ton per day facility is capable of doing everything, not only funding our growth objectives, not only being able to, to fund our business, uh, to, to, to repay the debt on the balance sheet, but also to have additional capital left over for shareholders' returns. Right. Okay. Uh, 4.6 million of principal repayment in, in Q1, fun, fantastic. And 100,000 of, of share buyback, neither here nor there. It, it's, it, people are looking to you to kind of show the growth component, not the standing still component of what the, the revenue strike. Because it's non-dilutory, you're not asked, you, have, you haven't raised money in two years, which is awesome, but it's the how much more than 1.9 can you put into the expiration or you know purchasing of, of, of other additional land packages? And you know when does that start kicking in in terms of you know, meaningful addition, to creative growth, whatever you want to frame it for the company and this kind of element which the market's looking for? Because you know if you look at the, the stock, it's been a tough few months, three, four months for natural resources and the market more broadly. Um, it's been kind of sideways moving as you've demonstrated that you can build a mine in tough in a tough environment, admittedly. But you know, where, where's this kind of growth element come from? Because you 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 kind of saw fantastic growth in 2019 and, and 20. And you kind of I think people expect you to be able to kind of pull it out of the bag and do more of the same. So what's that going to come from? Sure. So uh, let's let's talk about what uh, what scale actually means uh, in, the, in the context of, of what we're capable of doing uh, in organically through Mako and, and kind of what it means kind of in the, in the long term about what the uh, the ideal positioning is for, for a public company that's participating in, uh, in, in the gold exploration development and production market. So in terms of what we're, we're capable of doing, San Albino, the primary mine that we're developing uh, right now, will have somewhere in the neighborhood of about anywhere from two to, to four separate relatively small scale pits. It's never going to be more than 500 tons per day coming from this, this, this area of about 0.8 square kilometers on our 188 square kilometer uh, land package. Uh, we've demonstrated that we're able to, to mine uh, enough mining faces to consistently, without depleting stockpiles, to get this up to 500 tons per day of super high-grade mill feet, right? So we're we're capable of delivering head grades that are averaging anywhere from seven and a half to nine grams a ton at our 500 ton per day. Uh, Run rate, that will equate to low 40,000 ounce a year uh, production, and then it will generate uh, mid 30 to it's maybe high $30 million a year in, in cash flow. That is not sufficient to be a, a, a large-scale mining company by any stretch of the imagination. That was also never really our business plan. Our business plan was to use San Albino as a proof of concept. And it's not just from a bootstrapping approach. I think that that, that word and that term is used too often in this industry. It's usually an, an indication that, that things aren't developed in the, the correct way. This happens to be a, an ore body and, and a system that is, frankly, unique, right? So we kind of needed to, to go and look at San Albino, first and foremost, get the resource correct, understand the geology, make sure that we understood what we were looking at, and then use the analogs and the ideas mining techniques, processing techniques on dealing with this type of material and this type of geology over at San Albino and apply it to the rest of the property. So with that, that foresight, we were able to change some of the, uh, the civil works for our plant that when we are ready to make the decision with a standing start of about eight months, less than US $5 million, we'll be able to expand our plant to a thousand tons a day, but it will require us mining from a completely separate area the most advanced of those areas being the southern part of Las Conchitas, about two and a half kilometers 
uh, away from the plan. Um, we now have five rigs over at site. Uh, two of them are focused on uh, resource delineation over at Southern Las Conchitas. I would say from an internal perspective, by the end of this year, we'll have a mineable resource on Las Conchitas. And by, let's call it Q1 next year, we'll have a public updated resource that will take everything that we've done, both at Las Conchitas as well as San Albino and even potentially elsewhere on the property for, for an updated resource. But we'll be able to make that decision to expand to 1,000 tons a day this year and then to be mining and processing at that level by uh, eight of, of next year. Now at a thousand tons a day, just to let, let, me, let me finish this particular point, that's still not a very large mining company. This is all, all going to be at maximum going to be somewhere between a 75 and 90,000 ounce a year producer when we make that expansion rate. Now this is different than a normal 75, it's different than a normal 40,000 ounce a, a year producer. This is also going to be different than a normal 75 to 90,000 ounce a year producer in that the real margins that are being generated from this asset that is clearly demonstrated by our lack of need to raise capital for, for the last two years on the equity side and the last year and a half on, on the debt side. It's clearly the margins coming from this mine are a different level than what you would experience from our competitors. Now, that being said, in order for this to be a, a company of relevance, of, of materiality, there's going to have to be some external activities uh, uh, at the company through, through M&A. And I'm indifferent about whether that happens uh, on a merger, an acquisition, a, a sale. Uh, for, for us, it really is how do we best position ourselves in the long run now that that five-year plan is basically about 60% de-risked at this point. Okay, but point to me the things that are important here because, um, like I say, I don't want to view this as a kind of standing still or learning on the job exercise that you've been through. I want to say, right, we've demonstrated to the market that we know how to officially mine in this this district, this region. You're allocating exploration uh, capital. You, you've talked about allocating five drill rigs at Los Conchitas, which, which is great. But what what does that incremental gain by going from 500 ton per day to 1,000 ton per day mean for you, given the sunk costs that, that are, have already been um, invested? What, what what's, what's the meaningful upside in, in cash terms or however, however you want to define it? What should I be looking at? So I haven't seen anything materially different in terms of the geology, the grades, the thicknesses, on anywhere of a property, whether it's two and a half kilometers to the south at Las Cachitas South, we announced a discovery 700 meters away from the mill to the north. Uh, there's there's clearly mineralization that uh, that this year we're, we're uh, highly confident that we'll announce a discovery over at Scoviana that looks uh, 20 kilometers away from the, the plant that looks identical to what we have over at San Albino. So what we're doing now is going to be very similar to what we're going to be doing in two years, in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, uh, as we're gonna be mining this, this orogenic system uh, for the long run. So what does that mean in terms of return on capital? So like I said, from a, from a, a standing start fixed infrastructure, so actually making adjustments to, to the plants, so that doesn't in include drilling costs and it doesn't include surface rights acquisitions and things of the sort, but specific to, to, to plant adjustments, it's gonna take less than $5 million to get this up to a thousand tons a day. There are certain synergies uh, about processing at a thousand tons a day uh, that it would be that that incremental 500 tons per day will be of less cost than the first 500 tons per day. Not because the material is any different; it's just because uh, our overhead is is basically the, the same. You'll probably uh, be a little bit more efficient on 
on, on consumable usage and, and this thing. Uh, back of the envelope, uh, I think we were estimating that the uh, the marginal 500 ton per day increase would have about a 25% lower cost. So the overall 1,000 tons a day would have a 10 to 15% less cost uh, on an all-in uh, all all basis on, on, on that front, which I think are, are, are realistic numbers for, for that to happen. But it's not like we're going to be finding something that, that is different than what we're doing right now. It's just going to be, this is, this is a system that is particularly well-suited to incrementally and, uh, and basically methodically to add additional discoveries and mining fronts over the, the the years and decades to come. Brilliant. Okay. Th that, okay. I got a number out of you. That really that really helps. I'm in just just on that front. So five million bucks takes you from goes from five hundred to a thousand. Is is this a is this a is this a modular modular plant in the sense that can you go from a thousand to twelve hundred or to fifteen hundred? With with similar sorts of costs, or is does it does it radically change? Yeah, so I, I post pretty frequent pictures on my Twitter feed on our on our, our website, and you can see that we we built this five hundred ton per day plant kind of in a little tight area over here. Uh, that thousand tons a day is is going to be uh, knocking on the the limits of space in terms right. of, of of what we have. Uh, so I think. Where we have built and designed the plant itself, it's not going to get larger than than maybe incrementally bigger than 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 a thousand tons a day because we we're, we're more efficient. But uh, it's not going to be more than uh, than slightly more than a thousand tons a day uh, when all is said and done. That, that wouldn't necessarily preclude us building a completely separate plant elsewhere on, on the property if we make a, a particularly large discovery somewhere or the other. But that, that, that's not our base case, nor is it, I, I think, feasible over the course of the next five years to to be mining and processing at, at a rate greater than slightly higher than a thousand tons a day for uh, for the long run. So I do think that this particular iteration of, of Mako and San Albino, San Albino uh, slash uh, regional exploration uh, will be a plan to get to that 75 to 90,000 ounce a year uh, of production, albeit one uh, that will be generating in excess of $1,000 margins. Got it. Okay, great. We, a, lot, a lot of numbers we can work with, with if they're kind of, uh, to, to kind of value this thing. So um, you at, at that point, you'd be banging your head on, on, a, on, a, on a ceiling um, and you'd need to do something significantly different. So the two things I'm, I'm looking at here, obviously, the financial situation you 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 you're paying you're paying down Wexford and and Sailfish. Um, how much more to go on that? So we currently have uh, seven point eight million dollars of principal to Wexford. We just made our tenth payment to Sailfish. I think we're right yeah. at three thousand ounces. There, uh, the Sailfish uh, one is uh, self amortizing at two hundred five ounces a month. So we got another fourteen months left. Uh, on that, and then the Wexford, we're repaying uh, as quickly as possible. So when, whenever we have excess cash, um, immediately it goes to, to principal repayment to Wexford. Right after we we spend money on exploration, et cetera. Right. So let, let, let's share with people the, the the upside and the rationale for for paying off Wexford. Um, obviously, they were your expert expert yourself. You know, they they the money came from them originally. You, they needed their money back, and they want it back quickly. But you're under no pressure to affect your business from being effective at what they do. Wexford are not putting on a too much pressure, but there is a kind of payment plan which will pay off over, well, give me, give me a clue. I mean, when, 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 when do you think you'll pay it off by? Right. So for, for anybody that deals with Wexford, Wexford always puts pressure, right? <laughs> but it's just not pressure that I give me, give me my loan back now. It's more of a pressure is that, oh, come on, guys, we got to get, we got to get on this. We have a, we have a plan. We need to execute uh, on these things, uh, enough talk and, and kind of more action. That's the type of pressure that they, they bring uh, as a, as a controlling uh, shareholder. Our desire uh, to repay Wexford 
is really twofold. One, it, it's clearly economic, right? So it's it's a relatively high cost facility. The the interest rate is ratcheted up to ten percent from a year and a half ago. And then on top of that, they're entitled to a, to a gold bonus on a prorated amount of principal that's outstanding relative to the original principal of fifteen point one five million. So now that it's down to cut in half, they're entitled to to roughly two hundred and fifty ounces of, of gold if that's that's left. Uh, per per year, so there is a huge economic incentive for us to repay it. Likewise, and this is kind of on on the benefit side of uh, of Wexford, we can make decisions um, by having a a debt provider that's also a controlling shareholder over there to to run our, our balance sheet, uh, frankly, more uh, aggressively than than we would if this was a completely independent relationship. And by that I mean. We, we really do run our cash balances somewhere between a half million and $3 million, depending on when you get a gold shipment. And then once we actually spend money on our, our growth objectives, so obviously fund the business and, and do what we need to do in terms of uh, investing in, in capital and, and, and exploration to, to deliver on our three-stage uh, um, plan, is that really everything else can be used for, for principal repayment. And if for whatever reason, there's a, there's a, a hiccup, let's say we have a particularly bad rainy season, which uh, which started a couple of weeks ago, let's say this or, or that happens with the plant. Well, at that point, we can always uh, readjust. Now, once the debt is repaid, then we're, we're, we're good we're good to go. We can we can run this thing more as a as a normal mining company, and then have I would say more in deep and, and third party relationships on on the uh, on the on the lending side as well. That would be that would be fantastic. But right now, in terms of what is good for for Mako today, and certainly what has been good for Mako over the last three years, having the uh, a shareholder with access to capital, having a, a debt provider that gives all the flexibility that we need to deliver on our uh, our, our business plan has been a godsend for this company. Yeah, it, well, it, it's kind of catch twenty two. It, 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 it's a godsend, but it's also, as you say, there's the little dig to the side occasionally saying, right, we want our money back. So, um, and, I, and I wanted you to be able to explain that to people because people will be looking at the expiration budget and going, 1.9 million, like going, could be doing more boys. But it, you're saying it's it's in the more in the company's interest to get rid of this this, this facility as quickly as possible without obviously in, in, in creating the, the company's ability to actually do business than spend more money on exploration for now. It's, it's, it's actually, it's not even that, right? So if, if anything, right, it's been, it's been getting the, the rigs uh, logistically over its site. So we announced our $17 million uh, exploration program and you can see in, in Q1, we spent just under $2 million, $2 million in exploration, like 2 million times four, eight, 17, right? So, so clearly we were, we were spending less than uh, than kind of like the run rate. Albeit, we announced that program in, in March, uh, right. so it really only was in uh, in effect for about a month. The reason for that was not because Wexford was putting their, their hands up saying, "You guys got to pay me today." The, the reason why that happened is we literally couldn't get rigs to site for for all host of, uh, of reasons. Now we actually have okay. our, our seven core rigs, five of which over at Las Conchitas, uh, are turning, and then that exploration budget is, is going to be expanded. All of which with the uh, with the blessing of the uh, of the controlling shareholder. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So the one point nine I'm referring to were the expiration and uh, evaluation expenses for Q1. You've now got seventeen million bucks you're allocating. So okay. So there's a there's a big number there. Um, the other, and obviously, I think Q1, you talked about 2 million or so on um, regional expansion um, for surface surface rights uh, for regional expansion. So th there's the kind of growth bit. Um, the, the second thing, so there's Waterton and Sailfish. The second thing you mentioned there was uh, where the growth 
part of this story comes from is the is the M&A. But again, timing and that's going to be important uh, as well. You've got to have the kind of the cash the cash reserve so it doesn't become too expensive, or access to cheap capital, which right now in this market is I'm not I'm not, I'm not sure what you think of that. Um, and you've obviously got to find the, the right projects to, to go for. Or you turn around and say, well, actually, we've got enough line package here. We're confident what we've got in front of us, and we can build this into a plus 100,000 ounce a year uh, producer ourselves. So you know, w- what's it to be, do you think? So the, the the baseline in terms of what we can actually underwrite is, is what we own, right? So our, our baseline assumption is that uh, we are going to be growing San Albino to get to the 1,000 tons per day, prove that this is an orogenic mining camp, and then be operating a 75 to 90,000 ounce a year producer uh, with a, eventually all of the exploration potential to be mining at that uh, that level for, for generations to come. That being said, there's a lot of benefits to doing um, external uh, M&A and on, on all three ways of doing it, acquiring, merging, or, or, or selling it at some point. We're always on the, on the lookout for, uh, for, for projects that make sense, which is always the most difficult part. And, and that was one of the, the items that, uh, that he put up. Most of the projects uh, don't make sense for us, either in terms of uh, asset quality, we're not going to be diluting the, the, the quality of our asset. Um, transactability, our, our ability to go and, and, and fund, you, you, you mentioned that, uh, or even even a willingness to, to, to do something uh, with us, which has always been a challenge for, um, uh, for, for companies that we've interacted with. That being said, we've actually been very successful at doing M&A over the course of the last, uh, last 10 years. MAKO is created through uh, through M and A, uh, there needs to be a fit from a from a from a people perspective, et, et cetera, and then and likewise, th- there has to be an opportunity that makes sense for uh, for for both parties, and then that is determined based on the the general state of affairs uh, in in the market. I think we're we're fairly good and, and practical um, in that if. Let's say we're trading at X and they're trading at Y, and then both of us are trading at half X and half Y. To, to us, that, that that's identical in terms of uh, of, of merger opportunities. So we're, we're pretty we're pretty good about not looking at notional prices that are being paid for for assets, but rather what are effective and and fair splits. Uh, when you're talking about uh, about M and A, but I do agree with you that there are a lot of uh, of, of assets with with that makes sense to, to kind of put into in the fold that we just can't transact on just because of the the relative valuations of uh, of companies and that's okay like and if we, we can't do that well we have this wonderful asset that we have this this wonderful growth platform uh, ahead of us but we're always kind of attuned to the uh, to the to the market if there are opportunities on the outside to to look for right and what I, coming so coming back to Waxford um, briefly this is really in terms of um, liquidity. Um, yeah, your narrative in the market. I mean, Wexford looking to offload any of this at any time soon, would that make your story a lot easier to tell, certainly with the institutions, um, if they did? Um, you know, how, how are you managing that side of things? Yeah, like I mean, the on the on the Wexford angle, uh, you mentioned it's like a it's always a catch twenty two, right? So there's I, I I can say emphatically that there were one hundred percent beneficial things that this company had that would not have been there if it was not for Wexford. Uh, and frankly, going back even way before 2019, when this was two separate companies, uh, we would not be here. We would not be mining. We would not be generating eight plus million dollars a quarter of cash flow if it was not for Wexford. There are 
potentially negatives that come from having a, a controlling shareholder. Almost by definition, if, uh, if, if somebody owns 56% of you, the liquidity of your, your, your public stock is going to be less than half of a similar sized company else, just, just purely mathematically. Um, I do think that there are a lot of misplaced uh, criticisms in the, in the market in terms of some of the some of the, the issues that, that people have had with this particular share structure. Because at the end of the day, there really hasn't been any single decision uh, that that I've personally made that, uh, that that Wexford has made that hasn't been for the for the the direct beneficial interest of uh, of, of all shareholders uh, in. Especially the minority uh, over here, uh, over the ever since we've been in, involved uh, over at the company. That being said, it's also helpful to have uh, what is essentially a, uh, a a single voice, if you will. Um, is that if, like for instance, Mako was created through a, a very very complicated uh, merger. It was effectively a four way deal that uh, that created it. I, I won't like rehash the complete history over here, but for the size of the companies that were involved. It was an extremely complicated transaction to transact on. But the fact that there was a single voice on three of the four sides over there was able, we were able to negotiate the deal really over the course of a, of a period of 24 hours when the other side kind of had their come to Jesus moment. And we were able to, to negotiate as, as adults over there. It is useful to have a company that is that has not only the funding capacity, but also has the ability and credibility to advance natural resources uh, companies from inception stage to some of the biggest uh, natural resource producers in the world, right? And inclusive of, of a member of the S&P 500 was created by Wexford. Um, and I do think that, that people have always discounted what the benefit of having a shareholder like that is for for us? It's been at least from from my particular perspective, has really been nothing nothing but possible. Right. Okay. Well, like, you know, like I say, you know, people have their own views about you know having a large shareholder can do for the register. But okay, but, you, you know, you've argued your case. Um, can I? Can I just want to talk about one of the um, headlines I saw recently, which was some super high stuff. I mean, fifty one point eight grams of. Gold and twenty nine point eight grams of of silver over just under a meter, right? That catches the eye. The 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 grades do anyway. The 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 wits not so much. But um, what what are the lessons you've learned in terms of running the company over the last three years? Because you know, obviously, you've been um, demonstrating your ability to mine, right? And you've done that. And that's you said that was what you what, what you set out to do. Okay, so um, Sanabino um, is there to say we know what we're doing on the ground operationally what have you as a ceo learned in terms of talking to the market and setting expectations and certainly when you see headlines like that i think it, you know in 2020 market maybe the market would have gone slightly nuts um and, and misunderstood <laughs> what you were trying to say there so how how have you changed in terms of the way that you talk to the market over the last three years? Well, it's actually one of, there are a lot of valuable assets to have a cash flowing mine, like literally next door to a discovery. One of, one of the definite side benefits is that we can provide as clear of context as what it means to make a discovery elsewhere on the property because it's the same stuff. So everybody knows exactly what it's going to be. Over at San Albino, we are mining veins that are averaging somewhere between one and one and a quarter meters wide. Now, the average vein of San Albino is uh, is probably grading about 16 or 17 grams. Um, but 
we have established, and this even goes back before 2020 when we started mining over at San Albino, really over the last five years, we've established mining and grade control protocols over here that we can control open pit mining dilutions to less than 25 centimeters. When we created that resource in 2020, we applied a 50 centimeter dilution estimate. That's why our, our resource grade was 9.58 grams a ton, as opposed to the 16 grams that are coming out of the mine right now. But we've been controlling dilution to this thing to 25 centimeters. So when you make a discovery hole, over 51 uh, grams, and I'll, I'll go over a little bit about uh, why this discovery was made at the time that it, that it was in a second, but 51 grams a ton over 0.9 meters true width over there. You dilute that 25 centimeters on either side, you get a little over an ounce material at 1.4 meters. And you would try to demonstrate that to people three years ago, and they said, no. No, no, you're going to dilute that more than that. No, 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 you can't, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 no. Clearly you can't. Guess what? <laughs> we have a mine. We're doing that literally next door. You can't say that anymore. Actually, the last time, so it's a, it's a funny anecdote. I mean, the last time that we actually had a, a major mature mining company that did even uh, a beyond cursory level of due diligence on us, it was in 2019. And we were like going over the, this, this very detailed grade control and, and open pit mining uh, protocols that we have in place. And we told them, it's like, look, and, and this is at the time where, where the, the, the internal resource model, the geological model was put in place. They agreed with basically every bit of data that we had on the geological model. And they said, now, when you're going to be mining, this is going to be three grams of the head grade. And we're like, no, this is how we're going to be mining it. This is going to be a seven and a half to nine gram head grade mine over here when we blend everything together. Now, now three grams. <laughs> Clearly, we were right, but we didn't actually have reality to, to go and, and argue our case. Now we actually have a mine next door is that you don't believe us on what's going on over at Mina Francisco, this new discovery over here. Well, guess what? We have a mine 750 meters away that's doing that uh, right now. So this is this is actually a very, very real uh, discovery. And the economics are going to be looking uh, as good, if not better than what we have over uh, at San Albino. Now, the reason why this was actually uh, discovered when it was, is that um, we were running out of space on our waste. So we needed to go and find uh, a place to, to add uh, uh, waste tons uh, to. So we found this, this beautiful ravine on the north part of Las Conchitas. It was by far the, the least amount of drilling that we had in the Las Conchitas area. The most advanced part is Las Conchitas South, about two kilometers away from where we're, we're drilling right now. But there was an urgent need to do some condemnation drilling work on this new waste dump that we needed to permit. Lo and behold, the first hole that we put in hit this beautiful vein. It was over three meters wide, true width, hit double digit grades. We got the results back maybe uh, maybe six or seven weeks ago. We put it in, in the press release today. And we were like, uh-oh, <laughs> we may have actually uh, like decondemned this, uh, this waste dump. But then we actually started put, playing together with the, um, the geological model over here. This did not look like it was fitting to what was known about before. We had our geologist walk the ground a, a few hundred meters up dip over here. He found some float that was grading a couple ounce material. And then we started to drill up dip and, and a little bit deeper over here. And then lo and behold, 15 holes later, we made the discovery hole over at Amino Francisco. And we've now traced that to 200 meters plus of strike, 330 meters of dip. This is right now about 60 to 70% of the size of the, at least the, the geometry of San Albino proper and completely open in all directions. And the only reason why we made a discovery here in, in the first place is because we needed to go and condemn a waste dump. This has nothing to do with the more advanced location over at Las Conchitas South, which 
which we can put a resource on that today if we want. It has nothing to do with 20 kilometers away over at, at La Segoviana. And it just shows the prospectivity of this ground is that if you actually spend some time, effort, money to, to go and do the drilling, there are going to be a multitude of discoveries that are going to be made, not only this year, but year in and year out for, for, for decades to come.